Are you frightened? Yes. Not nearly frightened enough. I know what hunts you. This is episode two of What Are You Frightened For? I'm Burns. I'm Johnny Sutt. A.K.A. The Back Office. And yeah, so went to see a bunch of movies at Fantasia in the past week. How many did you see? Oh, I didn't count. I didn't know. I went and saw a bunch as well. Perhaps yeah. a, a smaller bunch than yours. We're going to talk about three of the more notable ones. And we're going to Perhaps start with... Four. Maybe four. <laughs> My favorite that I've seen all festival is Real Live. And it was the world premiere. It's a movie by some guy, Matteo Gill. Starring some people, uh, no one too familiar. One of the actresses was in Game of Thrones. And it's a movie about cryogenics. Um, on the surface about cryogenics was about much, many more things uh, deep down. And it's the story about the first man to be uh, brought back to life after being frozen for 70 years. Welcome back to life, Mark. And the movie goes between 2015, when it shows his decision to be frozen, and 2085, when he's brought back to life. And the movie does a great job of mixing them together and telling a cohesive story between the two timelines. And so, like, briefly, it's about this guy, he's uh, in great shape, has a great life, everything's going his way, you know, he's a superstar, has a great job, whatever. Um, and then he gets cancer, doesn't want to go through chemo, and so he decides to... Uh, commit suicide before the cancer gets too bad with the idea that if he commits suicide a certain way and is frozen immediately he'll be ripe to be frozen and brought back to life later on. Does he have to negotiate this with loved ones or is it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And that's a big part of the film uh, it, that it looks at the relationship and yeah, the love story of here's this person who he wants to spend his life with and she wants to spend the rest of his life with him, but then he's like, actually, I'm gonna end my life right now to continue it, who knows down the line, mm -hmm. if ever, you know, because, you know, cryogenics is pretty uh, theoretical, and it's a long shot. But, turns out, this is a lucky guy, gets brought back to life 70 years later, and turns out it's not that great, and he's not, you know, the same person he was. He's, you know, in constant pain. He has to learn how to walk again. He, you know, his memories are super foggy. And, you know, he has to be hooked up to a machine every night to survive. Because he's the first one. This is like a new process. And so the movie looks at... The movie's pretty philosophical. And it looks at uh, some really heavy issues about life and death and looks at the love story about you know medical science because he's really like an experiment for the people who are bringing him back to life and he's also an investment because it's you know, a for-profit medical firm that's doing this that invested tons of money in him and so, so for them he has to be healthy and learn how to walk and have a good haircut to look good for the investors so but so far the downside has all been physical and the fact that it didn't work in terms of a body just sort of being in atrophy or whatever for a long time, but is the future bad? We don't see that much of that because he has to live in the laboratory or in the hospital 
because he's not healthy enough to go out and be on his own. There's a, the movie has some humor, which manifests itself as like jabs at modern times. So it kind of shows us like, oh, you're, you know, your silly ways back in 2015. And, you know, they just kind of mm-hmm. hint at what the future in 2085 looks mm-hmm. like by making fun of modern day. Mm-hmm. And you said he lost a lot of his memory. So because my question is sort of like, it was one of the questions about what happens if we get to live to 200 because science has improved so much, would you still have the same identity? Especially because you would gradually lose more and more of your memory of your past. Well, so has he lost his memory or does he, he just fast forward? He hasn't lost it. There, There is some there, but it, you know, it's foggy, it changes. Some of it, is, you know, not sure if he's making it up. But a lot of the movie does question that. And the movie asks a lot of questions, doesn't necessarily give all the answers. So, you know, it's just a fun movie to sit there and think about these things. Because, like, non-stop asking, like, heavy questions uh, about, you know, all these subjects. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, like, plot of the movie itself isn't huge, which is nice. And, you know, small settings, uh, you know, takes place in the laboratory and then the, you know, when it shows 2015, it shows his life then, but it's not a lot of action there, necessarily. Uh, so yeah, really good film. It was the world premiere last Saturday, and it's going to play again at Fantasia today at 12.45. And after that, who knows? Who knows? Was it in English? It was in English. Was it an American film? It was, it was a Spanish film. But it was in English. Cool. And that's real life. Uh, well, segueing into the film that we both saw, I liked, you did not like, called Kiamachi Daruma, probably poorly pronounced, a Japanese film, and uh, just the segue that I would say from your description is that this film also went from the from the present to the past. Um, it was about a bill collector who is a dar- is the word Daruma is a bill collector who has both his arms and his legs. Um, not decapitated because that's your head. Uh, Dismembered? Yes, they're not there. <laughs> and so he basically is just a torso. The, we are first introduced to him. He's a still continues to be a bill collector. He was part of a um, gangster uh, roaming uh, clan of people who were uh, collectors. He continues to do that and he's quite effective because basically the, the first introduction we have to him is that his the person who's his handler basically throws him into this room and um he terrorizes the couple that are there it's all very cartoony and exaggerated most of the older men are kind of pathetic um um, emasculated uh, useless and in debt people and uh the main character this dharma um, is basic has only his face really he has nothing to um, intimidate by but he um, immediately goes com- completely to all extremes um, you know sexually assaulting the young daughter there's a lot of um, like lack of dignity um, in, in depicted sort of like a really intense feeling of exploitation and of uh, uh, like he shits his pants at one point, so they depict that, and then the arc of the film eventually sort of redeems this dignity and actually builds what I felt was uh, a real um, pathos 
for the main character and the relationship of the person who is required as a, also as a penance, as, a, uh, as, as a, an obligation to be the ter- caretaker of this dharma. Yeah, it was interesting to see in the film when it showed the flashbacks and showed him he was, you know, a big superstar, hotshot gangster. Yeah. And everyone respected him and he was the man. Yeah. And then in the you know present time of the film, he has some of that like residual respect, but is at everyone's mercy and mm-hmm. has to rely on people to still like respect him saying, okay, fine, we will take care of you and we will put up with you because mm-hmm. of who you were. And use you as a tool of intimidation. And he, um, supposedly this is, was, um, well, it's not supposed to, this was uh, based on a novel that couldn't get, that was banned because people felt it was way too outrageous. And I think what I appreciated about it was its kind of willingness to go the extra mile, to, to kind of be, to take all the kind of cliches like the, um, temper, Japanese temper, where everybody blows up, and the kind of over-sexualized girl or schoolgirl that becomes over-sexualized, or the very stylized uh, gangster. Everybody was sort of a cartoon, and they so it almost was like a Keystone Cop kind of like zany kind of uh, comedy. But um, the fact that the main character is limbless. And is being literally it's the humiliation of that kind of um, character. But although he never, ever, he he shows absolute determination most of the time. He's uh, he's an actor that has a really expressive face. He looked a lot like Michael Shannon in my eyes, and just like this kind of beautiful, ugly kind of face. And managed to kind of like evoke um, anger, uh, incredible sadness, um, all from just. Um, basically not having any kind of physicality other than his expressions on his face. And um, it just, I don't know, to me it seemed very modern and very, um, I appreciated it for the fact that it didn't seem to be uh, very North American. Like it was definitely evoking a Japanese cultural references that uh, are unusual to me. And I really liked it for those reasons. Yeah, I found the movie was very uh there's a lot of high context discussions where uh, you know they're kind of hinting at the plot but never really being explicit about it and sometimes for me i thought it was very hard to follow like who these characters are talking about what was the issue yeah that you know caused this yeah and just like what's going on whereas i felt the same but it didn't bother me as much as it bothered you it it was i sort of appreciated for its style because it did like the going to like the 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 life before his arms and legs were um removed is all shown in black and white and it's very stylized so i thought that was pretty seamless like it wasn't confusing but it basically the plot is, is revenge again it's discovering that the person whom you thought like uh was responsible for um your not having arms and legs is not the person you you've been betrayed and all of that is pretty you know textbook kind of um uh you know um gangster film kind of stuff so uh but i like just the stylized um way that they showed it and how they were willing to just um go that extra uh um over the top kind of outrageousness it felt kind of anarchic and and uh, 
and also it, it made me think a lot. I've referred, I've thought about this film a lot because I think it's also, as much as I was saying, it's about dignity and it's about determination, clearly. And it's also uh, evoked a lot about um, taking care of somebody else. You know, I said that the film, my theme at so far is that love kills or like this downside of love. But I mean, people who have aging parents, you know, or people who have babies or whatever, that like you were cleaning these people's, another person's shit up literally. And this is, and, and some of the, I, I felt like, um, the scenes of him, of him and his, his, the person who's his caretaker, having to carry him around in the city, and or you know, it was was quite kind of like, it was actually sort of endearing, sensitive. It, it didn't feel humiliating anymore. It felt there was like there was dignity in it. There was a real relationship and a real person, and that to me was so it went beyond the cartoon, you know. Actually, getting that from after seeing everything else. That's actually a pretty strong message because, you know, a lot that was shown was really undignified. Like, you know, him cropping his pants in the first scene. You know, mm -hmm. So to, like, go shock, from the bottom up there. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, you actually feel pathos towards the characters. So it's quite interesting. So that was Kiyomashi Daruma. Yeah. I think I pronounced that right. And so, actually, a common theme I'm seeing between that and real life. And the next movie we're going to talk about is about people losing their their power, their control, and becoming maybe shells of their former selves. Uh, so one of the movies I saw was Super Powerless, which was about a superhero who you know was in his late 40s and he lost he's lost all his superpowers, and now he's just a regular guy and doesn't know what to do with his life. He used to be Captain Truth. What does Captain Truth superpower? Uh, he could fly, and he was probably really strong, and couldn't what take damage. What did Truth have it to do with it? Nothing. Uh, that, nothing. Okay. It wasn't explained. It was just a name, you know, generic super, uh, yeah, superhero name with generic superhero powers. But I was looking at him now, trying to figure out his place in life, not being the person we, you know, is used to being, and you know. It was uh, the ideas presented were interesting. The movie itself, you know, ended up being a bit of a like cheesy love story in the end, which was too bad. But uh, it was still, you know, an, a nice way to look at, you know, the subject. You know, superhero movies. We have enough of them; they're everywhere. So when you get one that, you know, approaches it differently. It's like, was it like a retired wrestler kind of situation? Sort of. Maybe less pathetic. Uh, I think being a superhero isn't as hard on your body and soul as being a wrestler. But, uh, Maybe it is. <laughs> but it was something like that. And so that's an interesting theme that we've seen across uh, mm -hmm. throughout the week. And we're talking about what are you frightened for? That's a legitimate thing to be frightened for. What happens when... You lose your superpowers. Yeah. For sure. What happens when you're older and you can't walk yeah. and you can't take care of yourself and yeah. you lose your limbs or... And lose your autonomy. The other film that I saw was Show of Shows, which was basically a um, feat of good editing with some Icelandic or orchestral mu uh, music, and it's all found footage of circus and life. And um, I guess the only thing to say about it, I mean, the, it, if you love, if you're fascinated by that culture, you're going to really like it. 
it had zero dialogue. It was literally like a long music video in some ways, so some people would be very frustrated by that. But I kind of liked it by marveling at how weird people are <laughs> in terms of what we choose to do and what we choose to do to animals as well. I mentioned the hilarious bear riding a bicycle, but also there was other weird stuff that we've done to each other, such as baby boxing, which was, uh, and then there was another scene where they are blindfolding the people in the boxing ring. And to me, this is, these are hysterically funny and for some reason, crazily entertaining. And then there, there'd be also like these kind of um, uh, seemingly like school mom kind of petticoated women who would be like purling, trancing around and stripping off their clothes and everything seems like a tease until the point where she picks up the wooden chair with her teeth and is swinging that all around. So it's just like, God, people, we as human beings get bored and decide to do the most bizarre things to entertain each other. Was the film about, was it just like the people doing weird things or did it also look at weird people, which is also part of you know, circus sideshows of like, you know. It was found footage, so all the time the cameras are not, there's no underbelly that's being shown, it's kind of straight up documentation. So whenever everybody's aware of the camera and waving to the camera and didn't have that uh, behind the scenes feeling of it, so you saw, I mean you saw um, some acts gone not so well, like, you know, driving through a ring of fire in a house and the guy's coming out and they're like banging on, the, because obviously he's on fire, you know, and people being shot out of cannons. And you, uh, in the, those day and age, you real, and, and then putting their head in a lion's mouth, like, why is that necessary? You gotta get paid. <laughs> gotta get paid. And the way it ended, actually, I really liked. And it, what it was, it showed a lot of people's faces just before and during when they crack up laughing. And that's a, it's a, and they just sort of, it was a mostly of children, like a great montage of that look of like, a little bit of like, what's gonna happen? And then also in the burst, the burst of expression oh, that's, that's so. So it justifies the guy being shot out of a cannon. That is, that must be there. Like a, the desire to perform, but the, uh, uh, the desire to like defy death and, uh, and play. They like they're really it's really silly, and the the kind of ridiculous things like gymnastic and wrestling and funny things that we do. So how do you link that to the theme of? It doesn't of link fear. to love kills, and it doesn't. Well, I mean one of the things that I guess was um, was that there in that culture there was an embracing of difference, right? Everybody was different. There was that kind of uh, embrace the abnormalities. So it kind of goes against the theme of the other right. films where it's like, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you can do, we'll find something for you. Yeah. You know, you're blind for your, blindfold yeah. yourself and take these boxing gloves. Right, right. It doesn't matter. Do it. Do it, yeah. Alright, that was Show Shows. True. And that's it for this week's edition of What Are You Frightened For? Tune in again next Wednesday. Go see some movies at Fantasia.